Good morning, and welcome to worship at Grace United, and to those worshiping from home. My name is Willie Wilson, and I'm your worship leader this morning. Lynn Heffernan is also participating as well. Uh, the announcements, Adam, are you going to make a little announcement about live streaming? Morning. Uh, so if everybody who's here at church wants to quickly turn around and look at Bill, kind of, you can see that we have our new TV going behind us. So that's all hooked up. And we've got the TV over here, the choir loft all hooked up, and the projector. And because of all that being done, uh, if I wasn't running PowerPoint today, we would probably be on YouTube right now live. So we've got that pretty much ready to go. So in maybe a few weeks or a month, once we get things tidied up and the cables properly in installed and put away nicely, we will be live streaming on YouTube. Yeah. And just in case my friend uh, Jason may see this, if he's watching our service on YouTube, uh, Jason Drummond from Knox Presbyterian Church in Listowel came up yesterday and spent, I think, about three and a half hours, four hours with me in here, um, helping to do all the wiring we need to do. So big, big thank you to Jason from Knox Presbyterian Church in Listowel. Thank you. Do you want me to do that? The hand chimes are here while I'm here. <laughs> or do you want to do, do it? Do you have an announcement about hand chimes? Sure. So uh, along with that, uh, we also uh, got our hand chimes in yesterday that we are on order. Yeah, so um, Heather's, if you want her to participate, the hand chimes are very easy to use. So young and old, uh, you know, whatever ability you have, musically talented, not musically talented, if you want to participate, Heather's looking for you. So reach out to uh, Heather Somner and the hand chimes are wonderful. They are not traditional hand chimes like we have seen. They're not bells like your sister uses, so they're, they're very nice and light. They look more like a tuning fork with a hammer on it. So uh, don't be uh, intimidated, and she's happy to have you and, and play some music. And we'll have some wonderful hand chime music live here in the church soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Laurel will be back in the office tomorrow, so if we have anything that we've been just anticipating that she would get back, tomorrow is the day. In August, we are using services purchased from the United Church of Canada. Uh, with the leadership of members of the worship and music team, these services will be shown in the sanctuary each Sunday in August. And thank you to the worship and music team for organizing this. Thank you also for your patience and understanding. Uh, we will continue to keep you up to date as we make progress towards getting a new minister. You know, it's not really correct to say that we don't have a minister at Grace because I see 30 ministers looking at me. So we are all ministers of Grace. Uh, we will continue to make uh, progress and uh, keep you posted. Pastoral care is being provided by Mark Laid from the Drayton United Church and Jen Brown from the Clifford Osfeldt Pastoral Church. As we gather at this time, we remember that we are gathered on the land covered under Treaty 45 and a half, and that we are all treaty people. And this place is the traditional homeland and traditional land of the Anishinaabeg, Mississauga, and Ottawa people. And we pray that God may ever lead us in building right relationships in honesty about the past and present in the hard work and loving work of care and healing.
you're going to light for us. There once was a man who did the most amazing things and said the most wonderful things. He was kind and loving. Many people followed him and listened to him. One day, someone asked him, who are you? And he said, I am the light. Let the light of Christ shine, for shadows cannot overcome the light. Please join me in the call to worship. Come and gather, gather together, even though we are apart. Come knowing that when we draw together, Jesus is among us. Let us pray. Loving God, you who are dancing with the stars, resting in the ocean tides, and closer than our breath, we lean into your abiding love and compassion. Surprise us this day and lift up our hearts. Amen. Our opening hymn is More Voices, number 12, verses 1 to 3, Come Touch Our Hearts. Describe a time when someone showed leadership by coming to your defense. How did that experience impact you or your life? How have you shared your own leadership for the benefit of others? Think on that for just a moment. There are folk that we have encountered who offer kindness, compassion, and leadership, especially in the midst of adversity. They become important role models for us, demonstrating what it means to show courage, to do the right thing, and to live out God's call to be leaders. Their influence and action inspire us also to be leaders of change and transformation. Our gift of music this morning is a piano solo by Yuki, Baladin number one by Chopin. Mm -hmm. 
Yuki, we are truly blessed. Thank you. Lynn is going to read our story of our mission and our scripture this morning. Good morning. That was beautiful, Yuki. I'm just, wow. Um, our minute for mission this morning is Camp Instills Confidence. Learning the gospel in a safe and supportive environment. Lindsay Vautour, the United Church's Engagement and Stewardship Associate, started attending a United Church camp at the tender age of five. There, she not only met lifelong friends and gained job skills as a counselor, but it also helped chart her course to eventually work for the United Church of Canada. Coming from a financially tight background, I'm extremely grateful for the assistance available that let my brother and me attend camp every summer. I met so many different people from different cultures and regions and got to learn their journeys in faith. I still keep in contact with some camp friends over 20 years later, she says. One of my most prominent memories was with a fellow 13-year-old camper who told me that she loved camp because she could be herself without any expectations. She said, I'm not the weird kid or the foster kid here, I'm just me, she recounts. That's something I resonate with because I wasn't particularly popular in school, but popularity never married, it mattered at camp. And it's beautiful to know that it, that's a widely shared perception. Children come together at United Church camps across Canada to learn the gospel in a safe and supportive environment through campfire stories, hiking, music, canoeing, and so much more, campers gain confidence while enjoying unique activities and exploring their curiosity at camp kids learn soft skills like self-confidence, patience, and organization, as well as hard skills in sports, crafting, and music. Without the generosity of supporters, children who attempt camp wouldn't be able to continue having such affirming, defining experiences. Your gifts through mission and service are deeply appreciated. Claire was telling me how much she enjoyed camp, and I was thinking about her through that. Maybe she'll become a counselor one day as well, which is great. Um, our Bible reading this morning is from Esther 2, verses 7 to 22 from the New Revised Standard Version. He had brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was fair and beautiful, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her as his own daughter. When the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in the citadel of Susa, in the custody of Haggai, Esther was taken into the king's palace, put in the custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. The young women pleased him and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with her cosmetic treatments and her portion of food, and with seven chosen maids from the king's palace, and he advanced her and the maids to the best place in the harem. Esther did not reveal her people nor kindred, but Mordecai had charged her not to tell. Every day Mordecai would walk back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. The turn came for each young woman to go into King 
Awasueras, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their cosmetic treatment, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and cosmetics for women. When the young women went into the king, she was given whatever she asked for to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she went in, then in the morning she came back to the second harem in custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She did not go to the, into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had adopted her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charged of the woman, advised. Now Esther was admired by all who saw her. When Esther was taken to King Ahawusarius in his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the other women. Of all the virgins, she won his favor and devotion so that she set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great banquet to all his officials and ministers. Esther's banquet. He also granted a holiday to all the provinces and gave gifts with royal liberty. When the virgins were being gathered together, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Now Esther had not revealed her kindred or her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai, just as she was brought up by him. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting in the king's gate, Bigzan and Terash, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and inspired to kill King Awasarius. But the matter came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. Bless these readings. I'm, I'm thinking that there's probably only one person in the church here that actually knows the whole story of Esther. And Doug, that probably is you. <laughs> uh, our next hymn is I Am a Child of God, More Voices, number 157. Thank you. 
Our speaker this morning is Reverend Kim Holmes Younger. Kim is presently the minister at Parkdale United Church in Calgary, Alberta. Kim's bubbly personality is evident in her speaking, and I know you will enjoy her message this morning called, We Need More Esthers Around Here. This week we'll be talking about the book Esther. I love this story for so many reasons. It's a story full of passion, love, lust, betrayal, gossip, dramatic irony, and murder. It reminds me that we don't have to be extraordinary for God to choose us to make a difference. Queen Esther reminds me of one of my heroes, Rosa Parks. Her refusal to sit at the back of the bus sparked great change. Her bravery made a difference for millions of people. I hope we all see that we need more Esthers in the world, in our towns, in our cities, in our churches. Why? Because Esther's character of wis- characteristics of wisdom, boldness, courage, faith, and humility are those of a leader that can get things done, make things happen, even when faced with adversity. So let me begin. A long, long time ago, in a biblical land far, far away, in the city of Susa, in Persia around 359 BC. The previous upheaval of the Israel kingdom is no longer a threat, as 150 years have gone by since the Babylonians raided Jerusalem, capturing many Jews and relocating them to Susa. The new king has allowed many Jews to return to Jerusalem. However, there are many Jews who have made their home in Susa and do not want to return to the Holy Land. King Xerxes rules over the land of Persia. His apprentice Haman, the evil kingsman, schemes as he looks to gain power over the kingdom. In this city also lives Esther, a beautiful Jewish woman who hides her nationality among the Persian people and her cousin Mordecai, who has taken upon himself to raise Esther. Act 1. The story begins with Xerxes holding a lavish banquet basically to show off his greatness. At the end of this week-long banquet, Xerxes had had too much to drink, and he sends for his queen Vashti. He demands her to walk around naked in front of all his guests, and she refuses. Her refusal insults the king, and he banishes her, stripping her of her title. With no queen by his side, Xerxes begins to fret over his loss of his queen and his young attendants suggest that Xerxes begin a search for a new king. One by one, the most beautiful women in the kingdom are called to the castle. Esther is one of these women chosen to visit the king. Esther immediately wins the heart of the king's eunuch in charge of the harem. And this tells us that she's just not beautiful, but she was warm and something made people love her. And then through her extraordinary talents in the bedroom, wink, wink, and her beauty, she wins the heart of the king and becomes queen. Act two. Meanwhile, just outside the palace gates, Mordecai hears that two kingsmen are planning to assassinate the king. He tells tells Esther about the conspiracy, and she reports it to Xerxes, giving the, the credit to Mordecai. The plot to kill the king is stopped and the kingsmen are killed. Mordecai's act of kindness is noted in the king's chronicles. Act 3. 
the king then promotes a new kingman named Haman. Haman is self-important, self-promoting, and intoxicated by his own success. He expects everyone to bow down to him, but Mordecai refuses. So Haman decides to take revenge not only on Mordecai, but all of the Jewish people. He tricks the king into signing an order that sentences every Jew in the kingdom to be killed on a certain day near the end of the year. Act 4. Upon finding about the or this order, Mordecai contacts Esther to ask her to intervene with the king, and she re reluctantly agrees. Esther knows that to be a peer before the king without being examined risks punishment by death. But this situation warrants that risk. So she dresses in her royal clothes and stands in the inner court where Xerxes can see her and her faith and her courage are rewarded. Xerxes sees her and holds out his golden scepter as an invitation for her to enter. He then offers her whatever she wants, whatever she asks for. But then an interesting thing happens. She doesn't make a request. She simply invites the king and Hammond to come for dinner that night. After dinner, the king asks Esther again what he can do for her. And instead of responding, she again invites the two men for dinner the next night. Hammond leaves Esther's house in high spirits because he's received his special attention from the king and the queen. Then he sees Mordecai and his mood is ruined. He's in such a rage, he goes home and arranges to have a great gallows built to hang Mordecai. Act 5. Meanwhile, the king is having trouble sleeping, and he asks for his chronicles to be brought to him. As he reads through his chronicles, he comes across the story of Mordecai saving the king from being assassinated, and he asks his advisor if anything had been done to thank Mordecai. When the advisor says no, the king is astonished that Mordecai's act has gone unnoticed. So he immediately calls up Haman and asks him what he'd do for a man who pleases the king. Haman, thinking the king is speaking of himself, answers, prayed him through the town on the back of a donkey, wearing the king's robe. The, th the king thinks this is a splendid idea and demands Haman to parade Mordecai through the streets on a donkey wearing his robe. Remember, Mordecai is Haman's enemy. Can you imagine how furious he is? The next night, the king and Haman arrive at Esther's house and are enjoying a glass of wine when the king asks Esther for a third time what Esther's petition and request is. And Esther replies, Let my life be given to me, that is my petition, and the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, and I and my people to be destroyed and to be killed and to be annihilated. Imagine how Haman is feeling at this moment. He hasn't realized that Esther was a Jew and he has sentenced, he has sentenced her to death. The king is very angry and he walks out of the room into the garden to calm down before he decides what to do with Haman. And when he leaves, Haman throws himself at Esther's feet, begging her to spare his life. But just at that moment, the king returns and finds Haman laying across the couch where Esther is lying. And that is the last straw. He has him arrested and hung on the very gallows Haman had built for Mordecai. Mordecai is then promoted 
to the position that Haman had held as kingsman. Act 7. But there's still a problem. The king's order about the Jews. Esther pleads with the king to revoke it, but he can't. In Persia, once a king's seal is put on a law, it cannot be revoked. Instead, he allows Mordecai to write a second law, allowing the Jews to gather themselves and defend themselves on the appointed day. When the day comes, those who seek to attack them are killed, though the majority of the population side with the Jews. The battle ends is commemorated with the Feast of Purim that has been celebrated by the Jewish people ever since. The end. That's quite the story, hey? As I ponder how the story is relevant to the world we live in, I wonder who the Hammonds are in the world that walk among us, eager to profit from the vulnerability of others. I wonder who is brave enough to stand up to those who use others to become richer and more powerful. I wonder who the kings are in our world that still waver and stumble, so preoccupied with power they forget what is good for the common good. I'm reminded that we can use our democratic power to influence these kings by voting, working in our communities, staying informed and speaking up. I wonder who the Mordecais are in our worlds that stand outside the doors, reminding us to challenge the bullies in the streets and our governments and remind us to use our power in the service of love. I wonder what it'd be like to be more like Esther, more like Rosa Parks, to stand up for those who don't have a voice. I wonder if George Floyd, Linda Scott, Melanie Geddes, Belbro Singh Sodi, Aaron Webster, and thousands and thousands of other Indigenous, Black, and Asian marginalized people had to actually die if there were more Esthers in the world. And lastly, I'm reminded that Esther was not alone in her battle, and we are not alone in ours. It's through the love and the mercy and liberation of God we are given the courage to stand up for all of God's people. We are not alone. We live in God's world. Amen. Our next hymn is More Voices, number 13, God Says. Oh, my. 
Please come forward with the offering. <clears throat> and join us in the prayer. Loving God, bless the gifts of our hands, our hearts, and our work. May we remember that all good things come from you as we open our hearts and give. Amen. Continue our response to God by joining our hearts together in prayer. Healing and holy God, you have made this day for us, and we praise you. You call us into relationship with you, and we are in awe that you love us just as we are. Thank you, thank you. We come as people, as a people who pray, a people who trust in you, in your abiding love, and your yearning to be present with us. We come as a people who doubt. We doubt others, ourselves, and we even doubt you. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Hear us and help us to hear you as we pray. Thank you for the world, vast and beautiful, colorful and wondrous. Help us to guard its wholeness, recognizing that we depend on earth, air, water, and creatures. We pray for the peoples of the world. So many are in turmoil. We pray for all who have had their lives changed by terrorism. We remember the children who only know fear. We ask for more than just tolerance. Please teach us to honor others. Loving God, continue to challenge our assumptions about ourselves and others. Teach us to stand with others and give voice to just actions. Increase our courage and open-heartedness. We pray, God, for all the communities represented here, whether near or far. We pray for ourselves, for strength, for health, for humor, for love. In the light of Jesus Christ, we have gathered and in the way he taught us, we unite our voice, praying together, each in the language of our heart, as he taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the 
power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the next hymn we'll sing is More Voices, number 178, Who is My Mother? to everyone who participated this morning in our worship. Um, I hope you were able to, um, our message was a, a little distorted this morning, but I hope you were able to get the gist of her message. Um, so now, go now in peace, guided by the light of Christ, so you may be nourished by the word of life. Amen. Please join us, I believe, for refreshments out this door or out the back. Thank you. <laughs>